Elvis, 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 Okay, we're ad-libbing the opening, <laughs> so here you guys go. Hey everyone, welcome to Elvis Has Left the Movies. Let's just jump right into That's it. your ad-lib? No, come on now. That's my ad-lib. You want a better one? Okay. What's up, guys and gals? It's your boy, Elvis Movie Podcast. <laughs> Elvis Has Left the Movies, the podcast, where we talk about Elvis leaving the movies. Matt? Why did Elvis leave the movies? Um, what happened? Well, after this point of the movie we're talking about today, after this point, he really hated making these movies. <laughs> uh, so maybe that had something to do with it. So uh, we're watching Viva Las Vegas. Yes. Right? And before, I know there's going to be those pedantic people that might point out, and I only recently figured out, so, Viva Las Vegas is actually movie number 15. It's not movie number 14. What? What happened was, when I went to sort by release date on IMDb, they had it mislabeled. So, my list of the order was technically incorrect, but uh-huh. Viva Las Vegas was filmed before Kissing Cousins. Oh. It's just that Kissing Cousins was made so cheaply and so quickly that it got released <laughs> before Viva Las Vegas, like two months before. What movie are we talking about during this podcast? We're doing Viva Las Vegas. That's the thing. Okay. We're sticking to our guns. And now that we've set this precedent, there's a few more examples down the line of a movie that comes out after, but was actually filmed before. We're just going to do the, we're going to go by filming schedule then instead of like strictly release date, because I don't want to talk about Kissing Cousins. I have not seen Kissing Cousins. (laughs) I just want to have a fun time and talk about Viva Las Vegas. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um... First thoughts, how do we like Viva Las Vegas? I really like Viva Las Vegas. I had never yeah. seen it. Had you ever seen it before? No, I'd never seen it before. So yeah, everyone knows it's by reputation. This was the one that as we were going through the past few episodes, we were like, well, don't worry because Viva Las Vegas is just around the corner. We can look forward to Viva Las Vegas. And now we've made it there. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have anything <laughs> left in the future. But I think it, it deserves the reputation it has because the director, which we will get all into that, he knows what the hell he's doing. This is some of the strongest nice. yeah. directing and camera work and stuff of like any other. This movie. film is, as far as like the way the movie engages with the audience, is alive, right? There's not. There's an energy not a to stagnant. it. Stagnant, yeah. There's an yep. energy, yeah. There's not a stagnant, stagnant film to watch, and uh, it's a joy. There's another movie that was like that, and I'm pretty sure it was by the same director. Or uh, is this guy a repeating director? No, this is his first one, and I think his only one, unfortunately. Because he didn't actually get along with Colonel Tom Parker, Mr. Head Honcho. <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that. Because he was actually, like, trying. And I guess Colonel Tom Parker's like, hey, we don't have time for that fancy nonsense. Yeah. You got to do this quick and cheap. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. What do you think you're doing trying to make Elvis look good? It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, I'm not, like, 100% on this movie. Um, I don't know. There was... Maybe the, it all seemed so... It is very slight. I will say that. Yeah, that's... Yeah. We can say it right off the bat. It is, out of his entire 31 movies, it is the shortest movie. It is 85 minutes. 
including yeah. all the credits and stuff. I think it's too short. Yeah, for once, this is one where like you actually could have made it a bit longer and I wouldn't have minded because yeah. there was, there I was might have place to develop been more, more engaged. And I don't know. I always feel bad too. Like they really engage with the music, but the music still wasn't the greatest music. And I was hoping that Viva Las Vegas was going to have a little bit more for us musically because in Al Capoco, he really belts it out and pipes out a, a really solid... You know, it has a whole feeling associated with it. Sure. But in this one, they didn't do that, I don't think, as much. I, just, well, I think I, they, well, we'll get they used, they did something clever, which is that they used Viva Las Vegas as an overture. And they mixed up Viva Las Vegas with different instruments and different styles and put them into different scenes. And that was a really clever way of keeping with the Viva Las Vegas, like, song as a theme. But I think there could have been, like cooler more unique variation in the songs because i can't think even of a single other song that was in the movie that i could sing the whole song to. that sounds like we should just jump right into the songs get those out of the way then yeah let's do it there are 11 songs yeah so we don't get to the first musical number the first song until 15 minutes into this 85 minute movie yeah there's a lot of setup which is fine yeah but then it's just like boom 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 yeah. And the first musical number in the first song is actually a medley and it's very strange. Yeah. I, um, it's a it's a good song. Like wait, lots of energy. I feel like we should do the quick plot thing first. Yeah, I guess so. Just because then we can fit yeah, what songs are people, people are a little lost, yeah. I'm going to read the synopsis and you do your regular Okay. go after the summary. Um, so a race car driver ooh, preparing for the Grand Prix <laughs> wiles his time in Las Vegas working as a waiter to pay for his new engine. Soon he strikes up a romance with a beautiful young woman. Yes. So I'm noticing a lot of things with like the... The descriptions of these things? The descriptions where they, they basically cut out like half of the movie. They're just like Elvis is working as a waiter to pay for his car. Because he loses his money, which is the whole thing. I know. It's yeah. A, well, they want to just say it, condense it and also not <laughs> spoil things, I guess. But yeah. Although I will say that this movie also like sticks with that all the way through to the end. Right. That doesn't take any weird detours. Yeah, no, it sticks with it. But anyway, so the whole shebang is that Elvis wants to win a race. He's working with a mechanic to enter a car into this race. He goes to Las Vegas, gambles a bunch of money, and wins the money enough to pay for the engine that they want to put in their car. Quick pin in that. And Sorry yep. not to throw you off, but I just reminded myself that we didn't mention it in the last episode. There actually wasn't a goal other than him wanting to like overcome his supposed yeah. cowardice and his dark demons. But we're back to like this time he wants the engine. Material something. He wants the engine, which is going to get him to win the race. Yeah. But what he needs is to meet a nice young woman who's going to show him about love. With some nice <laughs> legs. Yeah, nice legs. Her Jeez. intro. Big legs. Big legs energy in this movie. Holy geez. You know, um, I want to point something out too. That whole framing device of legs especially in early films where the women are like wearing a kind of style of shoes and shorts that really shows off the the muscles <laughs> them calves them calves that kind of framing device started in noir films as a framing device for femme fatale women mm -hmm. which makes it kind of a weird placement here because she's not actually a femme fatale she's oh. a nice yeah, there's no rival woman in this. There's just the one lady. No. Because who the heck else could like fit into this? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And also, who can compete against Anne Margaret? I mean, she she does great in this movie. Like, I feel so bad about this movie. It's like 
it's like if I had a bunch of puzzle pieces and I know they all fit together really well, but they still don't make me want to put it together and enjoy the process of putting it together. Anyway, the mechanic is in Los Angeles where the engine is. And he says to the owner, my partner has the money. He just sent me a, what did they send him? What are those things called? A telegram. Telegram. Yeah, those are something you don't see anymore. Ye eh? old email. A telegram. No, ye old text. I mean, yes. That was the, yeah, right? So Elvis telegrams in, says he has the money, but the owner still won't give it to them. He says, "I'm, you know, I need cash now or I can't use it. Because there's and this so, other rich Texan looking yeah. guy who's like, I want that engine. There's Yeah, there's another buyer. So Elvis is in Las Vegas with all of his money and he rolls his jalopy into the shop and says, I want to enter this one into the race and we'll be ready to go by then. And he gives the shop owner some money and he puts the bill in his jacket and he starts talking to one of the other racers. And the guy's like, I want to hire you to be my racer so that I can win. And your job on the track will just to help me win through the race and get by, which was technically, I think you were allowed to do that and it wasn't cheating. Yes. So a girl shows up at the shop. She walks right in. She walks in with her long legs and they see it from like underneath the hood of a car. That's a great shot. The way like it is. trucks in it and is, stuff. Yeah. yeah, it is a great shot. Although I remember it happening and I remember thinking to myself, it's not like... They, I don't think they established that the cars were high enough up in the shop before. But that's just a bit of nitpicking. Sure. Right? I'm not going to judge them too harsh. But it was weird. They went under and I was like, there's definitely not. There, yeah, there's so much, much space between, <laughs> yeah. between them and the car because they have to freaking put a giant camera underneath there. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit, right? <laughs> so uh, she rolls up in the shop. She's like, my engine's whistling. And they're like, well, miss, your engine's totally fucked. You're going to have to hang around for a couple of days. Yeah, it'll be, I don't know, you know, it's going to probably take a lot of work. It's just totally shot. It just won't work at all. She's like, what? I just drove it in. Like, it was fine. Yeah, it was she's whistled. not like, falling wrong? for this line of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so she... and they're like, well, sorry, man. That's just the way it's going to be. But And then Elvis is like, I'll drive you anywhere you want to go so you don't have to worry about it. And she was like, uh-huh, that sounds great. And then Elvis goes to take off his work clothes and she takes off, <laughs> which I really like. And then uh, they start searching for her around all the clubs there's in Las Vegas. There's a montage. They think she's a showgirl. Yeah, yes. there's a montage of showgirls, and it's really strange. <laughs> They're like backstage, and then like like the security like drags yeah. them out at one part. Yeah, yeah, one of the ones they're backstage. Oh my god! So there's one weird like China style dress ones. Right. That was really like okay, yeah. <laughs> why is this happening? I felt so bad for those women. Like holy shit. But um, and that's more of like that's just a Vegas problem and not like yeah specific. like they just <laughs> were think... shooting what was there. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, the point is they find her, but she's not a showgirl. She's a diving instructor, a swimming instructor at, at a pool at a local hotel. At the very hotel they're staying at, actually. Yes. Yeah. Conveniently. Conveniently, and then um, Elvis finds out about it, and he goes to sing a little song. They have a little duet, and then Anne Margaret establishes that she is going to be the top for this movie <laughs> and not elvis <laughs> she like gets in there and she's like i'm gonna sing and dance like she's very aggressive mm-hmm. which you can only imagine colonel tom parker was thrilled yeah that someone was trying to upstage <laughs> elvis his boy in this movie yeah <laughs> i think she came out on top elvis did a really good job i think in this movie though he they i think they had pretty good chemistry most um, people say that this is the best pairing. This is the because she can go toe to toe with him. That's the thing. She's an equal. That's right. 
That's right. Which you don't yeah. get in any other Elvis movie. Yeah, it's very rare. So she was, I wish we could see more characters like her. And Yeah. But anyway, isn't it weird how in Elvis movies, the only people who are able to like go head to head with Elvis are people who know how to dance while like looking really fabulous. <laughs> Makes you wonder what it means about Elvis. But anyway... <laughs> So uh, they sing a little song. She pushes him into a pool and the money comes out of his jacket while he's in the pool. And (laughs) the funniest scene in the movie, and I don't know why, a little boy picks it up and like unravels it and then is like, meh, puts it back in the pool and then it gets sucked into the Yeah, it's so weird. The fucking, it's the sound the vent makes. I swear to God. (laughs) Yeah. So fucking hilarious. I just laughed when I saw that part. That's such a fucking thing like a kid would do. Yeah, because he doesn't care about money. Yeah. Small child. <laughs> oh, it was it was great. And then um so she takes off and Elvis loses the money and the guy at the hotel is like standing there and is like, You gotta pay these bills and whatever and his partner shows up and he's like, Where's the money for the engine? And Elvis is like, It's all gone, the money's gone and it just like fades that hotel owner guy's face out. And the next scene sees Elvis wearing a waiter suit. Yes. Gotta pay off the debts. Yeah. They didn't really establish too much that he was gonna start working there, but it just happened. It just happened. Yeah. Because we don't have time to waste. This movie's eighty five minutes. Gotta go. So go, go. then Elvis is a waiter. I, there was some parts that I missed at this point because I was starting to get bored. And there's some part, I think Elvis is like hanging out with her dad or something. I don't know. And anyway, here's what I remember happening next. The lady and the other driver are eating dinner together and Elvis has to serve them. Yes. The, okay, wait, wait. The I other, can fill in. I'll fill in some gaps. Yeah. So after he loses his money and he's working as a waiter, he's tries to pursue her again. This time she finally relents. Is like, fine, we'll go on a date. Right. That's what it was. They go on a date. And they have like a whole thing and then he meets the dad and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going on. There's actually a great montage where they're skeet shooting and riding motorcycles. Yeah. And she's like better at everything than he is. <laughs> That's amazing. The weirdest part too is that there's a part where they're just dressed up as cowboys in like a like a Yeah, I was just going to say at that part though. But at that part though, he does let her shoot him. Like. Sure. Right. But it's just weird, like, so what are the classic, the- you know, date spots in Vegas? I guess you go to, like, the weird movie set, you know, fake uh, saloon place, and then just dress up as cowboys and have a fake duel, because, you know. Dude, if if somebody was going to take me out on a date and was like, you want to go dress up as cowboys and shoot fake guns at one another, I'd be like, you fucking know I do. Yes. No, I'm not arguing, I- actually. I think this is one of the greatest, like, <laughs> montages of just fun activities i think this is my dream date for sure yeah and he can fly a helicopter and she's like doing the whole tour guide thing they're talking about like the hoover dam yeah. and stuff and that helicopter looked really cool yeah that was a really cool looking helicopter amazing then the night's winding down and that's when he meets the dad yeah and then her dad likes race cars but she does not approve that's going to come into a factor later yeah and then the right before the halfway point there's like a big roulette wheel dance floor club. Yeah, they go and they That's dance. That's a great in the evening. number. I didn't like the music. I didn't like the music in this. Okay. Like these parts, and that's why I was kind of checking out. I was just being like, nah. But we got to see some like black artists in that scene. We did. I do remember that. Although yes. I've got a little trivia bit about that. Let me guess. Let me fucking guess what it was because as they were singing, I had a feeling. Okay. Don't tell me that they dubbed over those artists the lead singer that is his voice but the background singers it's not them wow it is the jordan airs who were the go-to background singers for elvis songs who were all a bunch of white guys yeah 
And in fact, I was actually listening because I have the Blu-ray of this movie. I listened to the commentary track on it. Mm-hmm. And the guy on the commentary track actually says that even if you really listen closely, apparently you can even hear Elvis's voice among the background vocals. That's right. Crazy. This is the second movie that we've watched that has had black people appear on screen. Second or third. King Creole, Wild in the Country, and then this. Yeah, Wild in the Country. So this is the third movie. And Wild in the Country had some really great representation of black people. Yes, because it wasn't even, it wasn't a singer. It was just an actual fully, well, not fully fleshed out, but like a legitimate character. Yeah, an actual character that you might actually even warrant need seeing. Whereas this movie and King Creole were just for one song sequence. Yeah. You know. And they're singing yeah. like to Elvis or duetting with Elvis, you know. Yes, and they're also being dubbed over. So their voices are literally being taken away from them. Well, Kitty White wasn't dubbed over. No, but the background vocalist. These, yes, for this thing. Yeah. And actually, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't listened to the commentary track. So kudos yeah. to the commentary track, I guess, yeah. for making me go, oh. <laughs> yeah, making me go sad. <laughs> Well, it was a shame. I was hoping that uh, as things moved along that they would get better with representation, but they decided not to. And if that isn't a euphemism for the current state of affairs, I don't know what is. Yes. I want to I want to get us back on track. Yeah. This is all to say that at one point, eventually, they have like a little falling out. And the reason she's on that date with the Italian driver, the like rival, but they're kind of also very buddy-buddy with each other. Yeah is because she's mad at Elvis. Yeah. And so she's like, didn't you just ask me out on a date? And he's like, "Uh, yes, I did. And she's like, fine, let's do it. Yeah. But then the buddy, who's, they're still both working as waiters, the buddy talks to like the head chef or something and gets it so that Elvis has to, is the waiter to serve them during their, so then shenanigans. And that's a pretty fun little comedy scene. And yeah. Okay, continue. (laughs) There you go. So then Elvis has a comedy scene. Um, I was kind of not feeling it. I don't know. It was all right, but I was like, I'm bored. (laughs) I don't know. Just comedy, like, I don't find, like, scenes where, like, it's a guy and he's, like, being a dick because he likes this girl or she's going out with somebody else. I'm always, like, I don't know, that's not, it's not my kind of humors. So I passed on that. And then she is mad at him because... They kick, they kick him out. They kick him out. And then they hear some singing coming from outside. Someone's singing. Oh, my gosh. And then the Italian's like, oh, yes, it reminds me of being back home. And then he's like getting closer and closer to Anne Margaret. And then Elvis bursts in because it was actually him out there singing. And he's like, I'm back. Yes. And he's, <laughs> and she's just like, oh, you. <laughs> it's bizarre. It, yeah, it is it's very strange. weird. Then Anne Margaret, because she's mad, she shows up at Elvis's job. And she's like, her dad's there helping them get the new engine installed in time for the race and whatever. And somehow they got the engine, but I don't know how. I okay. just remember the you, guy. Yeah, being you like, skipped a bit again. The there's a there's a bit of a gap. Once again, I gotta jump in here. <laughs> there's a whole so his final gambit to get the money for the engine is that there's a talent show being held at the hotel. Right. And it's it's employees only, and right. both she and Elvis are of course employees of the hotel. That's right. So then yeah. he's like, I'm gonna she get wins the money. Pool table, and he well, wins well, wait. the money. <laughs> Spoilers. But- I mean, yes. <laughs> She gets the, the runner-up prize, yeah, which turns does, out to be the better prize. prize. Yeah. Also, she's wearing an incredible outfit for that number. Both those numbers an are great. Inc- just a strange... No, I mean, like, not super strange, but, like, it's fascinating to see that kind of fashion and wear, athletic fashion and things like that, yes. super athletic, are just made so differently back then and constructed so differently that it just totally captured my resolute attention. I remember very much her pink light magenta bodysuit. Mm-hmm. She's got a big fur coat on and then whoosh, 
yeah. the fur coat comes off and voila we get like the outfit yeah, yeah. and you always have you gotta wonder yourself like when do they have the time to choreograph these numbers because the right before they go on we see the talent show is just some dude like spinning plates and then he like drops all the plates <laughs> and and it's you're like oh this poor guy and then they both go on right after each other and it's like this fully coordinate with the lights and they've got background dancers and you're like yeah <laughs> when the hell do they have time to set oh, this up they, they literally that. they established that when when she's at the college she invites elvis to come into the college and dance and she shows up there and she is choreographing a dance with those guys okay and so she probably fair enough guys but elvis that. who had just heard about the contest like literally the day before and also probably has no friends in this town, it seems like. Yeah, it's not like his buddy, his sidekick helped him out here on this. He was there just backstage yeah. being like, come on, you can do it, win the money. Yeah. And it's like... Uh, so Elvis wins the money, but it's not actually money. It's an all expenses paid um, honeymoon, honeymoon in Vegas. adventure <laughs> thing. Yeah. And so Elvis is like, the other chick gets a pool table because she can, and she likes that because she can sell it better then she can sell the honeymoon package. So Elvis is like, uh, do you want to trade? And she's like, I don't need the honeymoon package because I'm not getting married or whatever. Yeah, they have a, there's she a- She didn't actually say that. When they have their like, they lay out their whole philosophies earlier where he, she's like, I want yeah. the white picket fence and the house. And a tree in the front yard. Yeah. And then he sends a tree to her house. Right, right, right. There's like, a tree. Oh and my all God, that. daddy, daddy, he sent me a tree. Weird. She's like, I forgive you. But then, and then he's, he's like, I still want to race. She's like, no, never mind. Screw your tree. Get rid of your tree. Yeah, yeah. It was so overdramatic. She's like, Father, oh, how I've wronged him. Oh, the things I said. Laying on pretty <laughs> thick, yeah. And I don't blame you for not remembering how they get the engine because it's only revealed in one line, like really quickly at the end. See, yeah. It turns out it's, it's like, the dad that footed the bill for the engine. Cool, right? They should, okay, anyway. But, but before that, it's just like, oh, they show up at the garage and then she's there and she's like, oh, you guys got the engine? And they're like, yep, we're going to put it together. And they have like one day to yes. get the car ready. Yes. Because the race is starting and that very night. So that's the point that I was at. So then uh, she comes back. She's all mad about them still going to the race. And she like, she shows up with a bunch of stuff and it's really cumbersome and she's like making a lot of trouble. And she's like, my dad needs to eat a sandwich. She's plugging like the coffee maker into the, the outlets. And yeah, like, we need that outlet for other power meal, tools. To, yeah. And then people get sprayed with oil. Puts all her stuff on top of the car. Yeah. And she's just making a big mess. Just like throwing a weird temper tantrum. And then they drive off anyway. <laughs> and then at the they drive through the race. And then by the end of the race, she's like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the dad, okay. the sidekick, and her are all in the helicopter falling the race from above. Yeah. And then by the end, she's like, come on, Elvis, you can do it. I love racing now. And it's like, great. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. I love the character progression. Yeah. And then the, the uh, other guy that he was racing against, like, dies in a car crash, but he doesn't. <laughs> no. Yeah. He gets into a, a, a really nasty looking wreck. And then we go straight from them, him winning the race to there's the checkered flag flashes in front of the camera. And then when it wipes away, they're, they're getting married. It's, they're it's, getting married. <laughs> it's so <laughs> abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> god it was so strange i was like okay because the race sequence goes on for like almost 10 minutes and you feel like you could have trimmed a bit yeah. of that to like maybe give a bit more time to this whole happy ending a bit more buffer it's very strange you know like maybe elvis like gets out of the car and like hugs the girl and then it crossfades into them hugging and being married and then he says the words all right let's do it let's get married and then we transition because otherwise it's just yeah. like oh they're there they're already at the ceremony yes yeah but yeah the buddy is there too completely unharmed i guess good for <laughs> yeah. him 
<laughs> yeah, it turned out to be okay. R- racing's not that bad. Nothing bad ever happens when you're driving. One of the cars uh, bursts into flames. <laughs> <laughs> it goes off the road, and I'm like, oh my god, that guy's dead. Like, there's, there's just, we saw someone explode during this race. Yeah. The other ones, maybe you could have made it out, but you'd still be pretty injured. But that person is a fireball. They're dead. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't see that one. I was... I didn't want to look too close, you know. Anytime those old movies pop up, even when like Elvis and company are punching each other, I'm always like, okay, you know, let's just get through this without having to watch a guy die on screen because nobody had any health control in the 60s. <laughs> like, well, no, okay. Crazy. This time I can confirm there were dummies. Oh, okay. The word's still out on whether <laughs> there was a dummy in front of Nakapoko on the bike, but in this one, there's one part where you can clearly see one of the cars go off and they just like. They definitely like pushed it or like ran it along a track to go through like a right. post and fall. And like the, the driver is just like this mannequin that flops around. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's really funny. Oh, shit. So, yeah. So that's Viva Las Vegas. That's what happens in the movie. Matt, do these things happen for a reason? What do you think? What do you mean? Does this movie happen for a reason? I mean. It happened because they have to keep pumping out Elvis movies that's true but they got lucky with this one because they found a director that actually wanted to try to give a damn yeah but then the colonel didn't like that and it all it went over budget and obviously that's probably why kissing cousins got released before because yeah actually kissing cousins was filmed in 17 days holy jesus whereas this one took at least the full month wow because they you know actually wanted to put the work in to get these musical sequences good and stuff. Crazy. And yeah, the main contention with Tom Parker and the director was that Tom Parker's like, you're really giving way too much attention to Anne Margaret and you're like upstaging Elvis. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, no. that's not fair. Oh my God, that's so funny. And so, I don't know if you noticed, but in previous Elvis movies, Colonel Tom Parker is actually credited as a technical advisor. Right. He found a way to get himself credited in these movies as a technical advisor, but he's not credited for this movie. Oh. He does not get a technical advisor credit because they're like, no, you were definitely not helping, if anything. (laughs) Interesting. Drama. Yeah, this thing was filmed in the summer of 63 and didn't get released until the summer of 64. So that's a full year. Wow. Which is pretty much unheard of as far as all this movie is saying. Crazy. Crazy indeed. So I'm going to put this movie in the category of might watch again. Like, if there has to be a movie that is just above the won't watch again movie, I think this would be the one for me. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. It's on there for me strictly because as a big dork that loves, like, camera movement and cinematography, there there are multiple sequences in the movie all done in one long take. Mm-hmm. And I just, eat, I just eat that stuff up. I'm like, oh, man. Because I'm thinking about the planning. I'm like, oh, look at this. They really care. They blocked it out. The lighting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean... I wonder if maybe I just wasn't checked out from all of that <laughs> because I'm so used to Elvis movies not it's inspiring me. But I think it's probably a really good sign. Maybe it speaks to the quality that the technical aspects of this movie were so out of my field of vision because you have to be really good to be able to do that. Right? You know what I mean? You make you it, yeah, you make it look effortless, make I guess, is what you can get at. Right. Yeah. There was no distracting rear projection. Yeah. All the shots were shot where they were shot on locations. That's right. Yeah. Other than when he's driving the car in the race at the end, which is great. Yes. Oh, this is the first movie with Elvis driving a vehicle. But it won't be the last. not singing in it. Oh, yes. That's right. He's a race car driver. Right. That but he 
actually doesn't sing in the car. That's right. I'm also, uh, I think that Elvis as a race car driver is a, probably a job that Elvis might have. He was a car enthusiast. So yeah, this is one of the more believable things he could be doing, I guess. I believe it. You want to know the best piece of trivia? Yes. Speed Racer, based off of Elvis in this movie. Oh my God. He's got the hair. He's a race car driver with his helmet. Amazing. I did not know that. Legitimately, it was both because Viva Las Vegas came out and at around the same time, Goldfinger came out. And of course, Bond has like the Aston Martin with all the gadgets. Yes. So the creator of Speed Racer pretty much took those two, melded it together. But the look and everything. so wonderful. Of... Go Mifune or Speed Racer as he's known in America. Wow. Yeah, based off Elvis. Got the neckerchief, the black pompadour. <laughs> That's amazing. I just love that. Because, yeah, all that race sequence, even though it was really long, it definitely had like a Speed Racer vibe to it because they're going through mountains and canyons and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you know, little tidbit, little fun fact mm-hmm. about that is that movement in manga and the effort of drawing things in motion was directly inspired by Hollywood films and has its origins in like the 1930s from watching the first like derby races and and shit like that. And so in Japan's history, its association with manga and its association with like showing speed and movement and moving fast in manga those things correlate with different social movements like speed racer like the derby racing like disney coming over and showing racing like movies coming over and showing racing and that sort of thing those were directly entwined did a paper about it in college if you can oh my believe God. it Amazing. yeah so it's pretty cool. It was pretty cool stuff to learn. Elvis's influence. It goes into some unexpected places sometimes. Elvis influences anime. Can we, can we have an Elvis anime? And in this anime, he's a race car driver. I don't know about that, but there is actually supposed to be an Elvis animated series on Netflix called Agent King, where he's an agent of the government that they send him on missions. That's pretty cool. I might watch it. And the art style, there's only been like one still, but the way they drew it looks really cool. Ooh. So I don't know if that... I might check it out. Yeah. I heard about that a while ago, but of course, with many things getting delayed in, in production on things, we'll see. But that's supposed to be coming out on Netflix at some point. Nice. All right. Let's keep our eyes peeled. Anyway, getting back on track. Ellis Presley, we were talking about Speed Racer. because We were talking about him as a race car driver and how <laughs> Yeah, him as a race car driver. Yeah, it's a good role for Elvis Presley. And I think every race car driver should be Elvis Presley impersonators from now on. Every single one of them. I want just the Elvis Grand Prix. It's all Elvis all the time. <laughs> yes. God. <sighs> People are finally seeing that, like, they're listening to this podcast and they're like, these guys say they're fans, but I don't really think they are. And then they're going to get to this episode where we're like, yes, Cargo Fast and Elvis Presley. <laughs> and Elvis Presley and all Cargo Fast. <laughs> and then you'll be like, Elvis go fast in Car Presley movie. And I'll be like, Elvis Presley. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're like okay this is too much fandom we're leaving yeah they'll be like i liked it better when they were shitting on the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> these guys are a couple of weirdos so we did the synopsis of viva las vegas we talked a little bit about the director we did we want to go back to the about, songs uh yeah let's go back because we songs. took a pause in the songs because we wanted to give the, right. the timeline of the events in the movie yeah but before we get to that i just want to mention quickly 
MGM is an MGM movie. Yeah, MGM. I mean, at least it's not. We don't like parents. Well, we established last episode that we're not really contingent it's, on the yes, studio. Yes, the studio. We were getting too much credence to the studios when really it's the director that makes the movie. Yeah. For real. Shall we talk about the director then? We did. We talked about how he got on with uh, Tom Parker and. Well, I never uh, named his he... name. Oh God, Jesus! All right. I didn't yeah, read his credentials. The reason this Holy movie sh- works, right. it flows as well as it does, because this dude knows a musical in and out. <laughs> Let me give you his resume. Yeah. Okay. His name is George Sidney. Oh, he's already off to a good start. And he directed Annie Get Your Gun in 1950. Man, so well liked, they named him twice. He directed Showboat in 1951. Oh. And most crucially, and the reason why when we did It Happened at the World's Fair, I brought up Bye Bye Birdie, and I said I was going to... Yes. It, it was more relevant to Viva Las Vegas, but I did it then because we'd have a lot more to talk about during Viva Las Vegas. He directed uh, Bye Bye Birdie with Anne Margaret. Oh. And the cinematographer of this movie was the cinematographer on Bye Bye Birdie. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were saying there was some really cool trivia about this, about... Like they potentially had Elvis written in for that role? Because the, Bye Bye Birdie, the, the musical, the stage musical, was specifically based on when Elvis was drafted into the army. Right. Because they decided to make a story about what happens when a really popular pop singer gets drafted in the army and all the teens are freaking out and they wanted That's Elvis right. to play the character Elvis. in Bye Bye Birdie. But yeah. Tom Parker said no. She's Louise, eh? So it's that much weirder that they he said no, but then they still got the, got director, the director and the star and the, and the cinematographer and all the crew from Bye Bye Birdie to still do an Elvis movie. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Makes you wonder if there wasn't something. I think I, you know what? I've just, it clicked in my head. Mm-hmm. Tom Parker said no to that movie. Yeah. Then that movie did really well, was one of the top grossing movies uh-huh. of the year. And he went, oh crap, I messed up. Yeah. And then he's like, maybe we'll work with this guy. Maybe he had something. He had ideas. Maybe he knew what he was talking about. And yet and he, he still on. couldn't get out of his own way because then he went. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. <sighs> Amazing. Now that is what I call some facts. Those are some good trivias, Matt. I'm going to give that a solid 10 out of 10. Sure. Thank you. Are you a fan of Hanna-Barbera, the cartoons? Uh, <laughs> no, but I appreciate them as a pillar of the animation community. Okay. Do you remember the scene, the movie where Gene Kelly dances with Jerry Mouse of Tom and Jerry fame? Yes. Yeah. So it's live action and animation melded together. And it's a whole yes. duet tap dance routine with Gene Kelly and Jerry Mouse. They did a great job. Yes. The movie was called Anchors Away from 1945. Yes. George Sidney also directed that movie. And he was actually buddies with William Hanna and Joseph Barbera oh. and actually helped them fund... Hanna Barbera Studios. Holy shit. Which led to. That's really cool. Yeah, which led to Flintstones and like the entire empire of Hanna Barbera cartoons, which were like everywhere. Smokes. Yeah. And Colonel Tom Parker thought he had the brass balls to go up against that guy. I know. What a damn shame, eh? What a loser. Did you know that there was a female writer for this movie? I did. I noticed that. It's the first female writer for an Elvis movie, isn't it? I think there's one past movie that there was a story by credit from a, a, a lady, but this is the first right. one for sure that, yeah, Sally Benson wrote mm-hmm. this movie. That's right. And she previously had earned an Oscar nomination for co-writing Anna and the King of Siam in 1946. Oh, wow. Which subsequently Holy became goodness. The King and I. Yeah. But before it was a musical, oh, it was just a straight story about that the relationship between 
the King of Siam. And, wow. Yeah. Very, very cool. And she also used to write for The New Yorker, I think, and wrote a series of like short stories that were collected into a book called Meet Me in St. Louis. And that was made into the movie of the same name. Right. Yeah. It's a shame there was a lot of really good people working on this movie. But I don't know. I feel like it could have just shown... A little more for me. Maybe your expectations were too high. I think so. It's got that reputation. I tried to temper my expectations, so maybe I was like... I know. It's okay. What did you think about the costume design in this film? Uh, It was... I like their pastel yellow outfits they're wearing. They're matching pastel yellow. Yes. When they have their little dance I together. I did like those. Elvis is good in black and people have started to notice mm -hmm. so every a lot of these movies they dress him in they're like come on let's put on those black pair of pants again put on that black shirt put on that black tie you're going out tonight yeah <laughs> they do a lot of like wonderful wonderful just simple outfits where they're like here elvis you get a pair of pants and a tie the same color and then you get a bold contrast shirt Red, which like is a lot of red in this color. one. But yeah, yeah. other movies red, have different... yellow. Yeah. Other movies, yeah, they do something like... It just looks good. It just looks solid. Solid stuff, you know? So Anne Margaret's outfits were... Well, she, well, they look good, first of all. Mm -hmm. But it's just interesting to see like sportswear and how it was constructed at that time. So yeah. there's a scene where she's dancing. She's wearing a pair of tights and like a leotard type outfit. And her hair is all crazy. And you can tell that she's probably done that routine a couple of times already. And She's doing all of these routines in heels too. There's like some, and they're big yes. heels. Yep, they're all in heels. Yeah, Oof. yeah, yeah. But uh, she wears a lot of sports outfits where she's doing a lot of exercise, bathing suits, leotards, one piece, like uh, little rompers and things like that. Constructive one. There's ones where it's a, it was a two piece yellow outfit with a strange pair of sh yellow shorts. Yeah. And she had this wrap and I thought she was going to put the wrap around her waist but she didn't. She like put it over as a jacket and then mm -hmm. it stayed open at the front so that you could still see her shorts through it. Yeah, that was the, an interesting the opening. It look. was a really strange outfit, right? And like the each piece of the outfit was constructed of different types of materials so that no piece really looked like it belonged together. Oh, it was so weird. I kept staring at those shorts, man. I was like, holy jeez, Aunt Margaret, you're going to lose those shorts, man. They're just going to go right up into your body and you'll never see them again. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and then she's got that pair of white shorts, too, that she wears in the beginning of the movie. White mm -hmm. shirts, red shirt, heels. Yes. Red hair. I think pretty, I'm pretty sure Aunt Margaret is the reason why we still have an obsession with red-haired models in today's society definitely helped yes sir but the costume designer on this movie this guy named don feld yeah he and would he felt good <laughs> but what's funny about him is that he would usually not in this one because this is still early enough i guess but he would subsequently just be called don feld one word oh weird that was like his stage name that is so strange don feld <laughs> don feld you <laughs> yeah but he's don feld um he did the costuming for wild in the country um and he will make... You know, you know what I noticed about yes. this movie? That same color red that's in Wild in the Country in the opening text crawl mm -hmm. is the same color of red as the long sleeve shirt Elvis is wearing when he's in the shop. 
as soon as he took off that work clothes and you saw the color of that red on the full shirt i was like i know i've seen this red in one of these movies already and he will do he's only got one more elvis movie he does the costumes for so we'll have to see if that red returns for a third time perhaps yeah it's fun costuming also i wonder if Anne margaret didn't have somebody that came with her on this production because the cinematographer and the director was already there so you got to wonder if maybe they had a stylist that was associated with the production as well well, and they came with Anne margaret since you brought it up i'm going to bring up the choreographer okay but before i get to that i just want to mention that don feld was nominated twice for costume design and the second time was for they shoot horses don't they Uh aha coming back to they shoot horses Mm mm-hmm Mm, very interesting and the other one was uh, days of wine and roses which we also brought up at some point there the alcoholism yes, yeah. movie drama so the choreographer for this movie is david winters okay this was his first time choreographing for film and he was recommended for the job by Anne margaret she was actually one of his dance students at the time oh really where do you think he worked before this um <laughs> West Side Story. It was West Side Story. I'm doing it just to piss you <laughs> off at this point. He played Baby John in the original Broadway production and Arab in the movie version. Wait, what are you talking about? David Winters, the choreographer on Viva Las Vegas. He played He's Baby John awesome. in West Side oh, he Story. He played Baby John. Oh. On the, the, oh, that's the original Broadway production. And then in the movie, he played Arab. Oh. Well, I didn't know that. And he went on to direct <laughs> a bunch of weird movies in the 80s. Yeah. Like, like really what? trashy stuff. It's great. Oh my God. Tell me about it. Uh, 1986's Thrashin'. Oh my fucking God. I think I have that. It's the one with um, young Josh Brolin. One of those extreme 80s sports movies. They had, you oh know, BMX God. bike ones and, and yes. rollerblading ones. This was one of the skateboarding ones. <laughs> That's fine. But he also directed, maybe his, his magnum opus is the 1988 movie Space Mutiny, which was famously featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000 because it is a really good bad uh... movie. It's so dumb. Nice. But great. All right. So he was a pretty cool guy, sounds like. Sure. And then what happened? Do you want to know about the alternate title? Yeah. What is it? The alternate title, before they settled on Viva Las Vegas, it was going to be called Only Girl in Town. Huh. Weird choice, I know. Yeah, that seems kind of mean, doesn't it? Oh, maybe they mean like, she's the only girl in town for me? Maybe. Yeah, they're missing a bit of context. Yeah. Also noteworthy. I'm glad it's Viva Las Vegas. Yes. Also noteworthy, though, in the UK, it was released as Love in Las Vegas hmm. because there was already a movie that got retitled Viva Las Vegas for the UK, hmm. but it was originally titled Meet Me in Las Vegas. And that movie we brought up in like a bunch of episodes ago because someone from an Elvis movie was in Meet Me in Las Vegas. Oh, weird. So, yeah, the US title is Meet Me in Las Vegas. It goes to the UK. They change it to Viva Las Vegas. And then they've really, they screwed up because then the real Viva Las Vegas comes out and they go, oh crap, we already retitled something <laughs> Viva Las Vegas. So I guess we got to change this again. And now it becomes Love in Las Vegas. Jesus, that's hilarious. It's so much more work than just like, why couldn't that's you have so called fun. it Meet yeah. Me in Las Vegas? <laughs> it's bizarre. Oh, wait, we didn't even talk about his name. Oh, yeah. His name is Lucky Jackson. Oh, my God. Okay, Lucky Jackson in the top 10 for sure, I think. It's pretty good. Lucky Jackson. Yeah. Yes. We do Kissing Cousins next, and then we're going to take, we get to take a break. We don't have to watch anything new because we're doing our Halfway There special. Yes, I'm very excited. Where we shall have all of our different lists figured out, or we'll maybe figure it out on the day. It might be fun to have some of them, leave them open to just debate and, and do the top 15 or whatever at the time. Yes. Yeah. We're going to talk names. We're going to talk occupations. We're going to talk just the movies themselves, just in general. All right. Jesus, we didn't even talk about the people or the songs. We got to do that now. Let's go.
Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning round. Yes. Remember when they're looking for Anne Margaret, they're going from place to place looking for her. And the, la- the last place they end at is this Texan themed. Yeah. And a bunch of, and then like the manager is like, I, I can't help you look for a girl. I got all these rowdy Texans in here. And then Elvis steals yes. one of the dude's hats and then grabs two guns and he goes, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he goes, hey, my fellow yes. Texans, let's sing a song. Remembering John Wayne, and they all go, Yeah, and then he marches them out into a truck, and the truck leaves. Yes. And then Elvis is like, Hey, where's the girl? And he's like, There's no girls here. And uh, he's like, Meh. Yeah, you wasted our time. And yeah, so he sings a medley of The Yellow Rose of Texas and The Eyes of Texas, two different songs. Oh, interesting. The commentary for the Blu ray is pretty funny because the guy's like an academic, he's pretty dry, but like, he's just like, Isn't it weird that this movie about Vegas, the big <laughs> open, the first musical number is about Texas? Strange choice. <laughs> it is kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Then the next one we get to is the duet where he ends up getting pushed into the pool and losing the money. Yeah. The lady loves me. Uh, but she just doesn't know it yet. Right? Yes. Him and, and Margaret. So they actually had three songs that were supposed to be duets. Right. And this was one of them. But once again, who's that? It, Colonel who, Tom it's Parker. Colonel Tom Parker. He's like, <laughs> Yes. One of them got scrapped completely. The other one got downgraded from a duet to just an Elvis solo song. Ah. So I'll get to it when we get to it. What a bastard. Then when they, so after their big date, they go, sorry, wait, no, I got the timeline wrong. This is before, this is when she's at the dance class. Okay. Come on, everybody is the song that he sings when he meets her at her dance class thing. And then she, she's like, okay, he's like, okay, let's go on the date. She's like, whoa, 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 you can't leave here. These people expect you to sing something for them because I promised that you would. And he's like, what? No, he shows up and she's like, "You're supposed to dance with us," and he's like, all, no, "Yeah, and if you're not gonna dance, then sing." And so he sings. Then sing. But he also still yeah. dances, kind of. He does his little Elvis yeah. groove. Yeah. Then like we this. have the first ballad, yeah. which is when she's getting changed so that they can continue their night at the big roulette floor place. Yes. He sings today, tomorrow, and forever, and that was originally supposed to be a duet with her. Right. But now it's just him at a piano, tinkling the keys, and then singing to himself yeah. but like she can hear him yeah and then the jubilee four are the artists supposedly singing except it's not the background dudes but the main yes. guy george mcfadden it is him and he sings the climb right and then ellis grabs a guitar and he does a number what did i say yes and everyone has a big old thing and then there's like a big crane shot where like we come out and it's just like this big crowd of dancing people yeah that was a little too fantastical for me <sighs> At that stage, like at that stage, I was like, "What happened to the race?" <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. But Where's it's not the a race. That he's he's. We'll get to that when we get to that. Where's the cargo? <laughs> and then when, oh yeah, we didn't even talk about. It. So Elmo is the uh, Italian driver, Count Elmo Mancini. Mm. They um. So she she accepts the date with him, and then so they're in his room, and then Elvis is outside the window. So this is the only song that we hear him sing. We don't see him on screen singing because yeah. he's singing uh, Santa Lucia. Right. And then he pops in and then he starts singing, If You Think I Don't Need You. Yeah. I didn't like any of the songs because I don't remember any of the songs. And that means... That- Even the very next one, which is the title track, Viva Las Vegas. No, of course not Viva Las Vegas. Matt, well, you I said none sang, of them. You said not any of them. I sang Viva Las Vegas to you when we started this episode. <laughs> Get off my back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's what I said. So, yeah, the talent show musical number of Viva Las Vegas is all done in one take. Oh. There's no cuts. It's all one uninterrupted shot. I didn't even realize. 
And then does he race? No. no. Because there's Anna Margaret has music. her musical number, which is the yes. song Appreciation. Yeah. And then do we get to watch the race? Not yet. No. <laughs> did you really like the race that much? I think it went on for too long. Uh, I did too. I just also didn't like all of the other parts. Okay. I need to bring this up though, because <laughs> this is another whole song done in one take. And this one's interesting because it starts with Elvis's voice, but he's not singing it. Uh-huh. So we're doing he's that weird thing. It? He's like, yeah, I need somebody to lean on. Is this is the second ballad? This is after mm-hmm. he's he's won the contest but didn't get the money he wanted for the thing and then she's still mad at him. So he's so he walks into this like dimly lit club and the shadows and everything are doing interesting stuff and it's like a tracking shot and there's all these different couples under little spotlights. Yes. So they're being highlighted. Yeah. And then so it's just him, his thoughts singing, but then there's a transition. The camera does like a thing where like cranes upwards and then he steps into the light and then he actually starts singing out of Jeez. Yeah. I don't know why, but I I must have totally missed that part. It's pretty that cool. Really cool. Yeah, you should yeah. rewind this movie at some point. <laughs> what the heck? Well, sometimes I just get a little checked out. It's hard to sometimes when you're watching these movies, it's hard to follow through all the way. Just like ah. Uh. It's true. So because we can't sometimes you do miss things. Yes. It's hard and... to watch 31 movies of anything. And I mean, <laughs> technically, doing we're doing this. this for the benefit of the podcast we're not doing this because we're in the mood to watch an elvis movie yeah <laughs> yeah i gotta do my best to try to get myself in the zone yeah but like most of the time i'm like eh. it's halfway through and we're all a little bit tired but this one was 85 minutes so that was that was my saving grace where i was like oh at least it's gonna be quick and i won't take too much of my time right and then the big final number the last song sung is Anne margaret's she's packing her like picnic really angrily yes making sandwiches and she's spelling out lucky's name on like toast and stuff with the ketchup or something it's super super weird that also is all done in one take one big tracking shot Hmm. so like a lot of impressive coordinating in that and stuff because then yeah like it's synced to like the toast popping out of the toaster and she's catching and stuff it's all this thing Hmm. but she sings my rival which is a song about a woman who's jealous that of a car he likes his car more than her yeah it's dumb yeah it's it's like Maybe it's just like a tone thing. It's not like, again, it's not a bad production. It's all the parts are there. Just something needed to glue it together. I know. It's an Elvis movie in the end. Yeah. It cannot yeah. be anything else. So I already mentioned that Today, Tomorrow, and Forever was the, there was a duet version that was dropped. Mm-hmm. The three other songs that were supposed to be in this movie, there's one called Do the Vega, oh. which I really wish I knew what that was. <laughs> I mean, some of these must have been recorded. Maybe they're on some weird, like, deep cut albums Could out there. Could be. I'll have to do some research. Because I remember Danny from King Creole got, you know, didn't get released until yes. like 20 years later, but it did. Yeah. There's a song called Nightlife. Hmm. And then there was a third duet with Anne Margaret, a song called You're the Boss. But all those got scrapped. Hmm. Okay. There's not too many characters, luckily. All right. I only have the main ones, and then one uncredited part. That's it. Okay. And then I'll just list off a few more factoids, and then we'll be done. Okay. Anne Margaret plays Rusty Martin. Another good name. Rusty Martin. Mm-hmm. Pretty fun. Uh, As already mentioned, she was in Bye Bye Birdie. Yes. But in 1966, she was in the movie Murderer's Row, which is now three out of the four Dean Martin, Matt Helm spy movies have been name dropped in this podcast. Weird. We talked about The Wrecking Crew. Right. We talked about The Silencers. Yeah. And now we've talked about Murderer's Row. That's so strange. Okay. Then there's Cesar Danova, Mm -hmm. the Italian actor playing Count Elmo Mancini. So he's Italian. That's not just an, an accent he's putting on, which is nice. 
That's nice. Because yeah. you can never be sure. You could. I mean, it's an Elvis movie. Yes. Remember when we talked about Cleopatra as the highest grossing movie in 1963? He's in that. Ah. He played Apollodorus, who was Cleopatra's personal servant. Ooh. Because, of course. Mm-hmm. Delicious. <laughs> and then he also appears as Don Giovanni in Mean Streets from 1973, Ooh. which was like the big Scorsese breakout movie Ooh. before Goodfellas and everything. Hmm. Not his debut film, but like I think his third film, but is the, the first one where like people are like, ooh, what's this guy doing? Look at this young cast with this guy named Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel and all this. Woo. I think we're on to something. Um, Rusty's dad, Mr. Martin. He doesn't even get a first name. Yep. He's played by William Demarest, who is best known for playing Uncle Charlie O'Casey in the TV show My Three Sons. Okay. It I don't lasted... know that one, actually. I think I heard about it. But... Yeah, I've heard the title. It's, it's, it was like a thing where, yeah, there's these three kids, three sons. Believe it or not, there's three sons. <laughs> From 1965 to 1972, 12 seasons. And he was in 215 out of 380 episodes. Holy, holy heck and hallelujah. Oh, so he was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Oh. From 1939. Classic Frank Capra, James Stewart. And the last credited role is the sidekick, Shorty Fansworth, played by Nikki Blair. Ooh. Mostly uncredited bit parts and stuff, but still 127 IMDb credits. He plays a fight promoter in Rocky Five. Weird. So he, yeah, most of his like more later credited bit parts were in like the nineties. Hmm. And he also going back to Robert De Niro, the nineteen ninety three movie A Bronx Tale. He plays Jerry uh. in that. That's a movie that Robert De Niro directed. One of only two feature films that he's stepped behind the camera for so far. The other one being The Good Shepherd, which was about the uh, formation of the CIA with Matt Damon huh. in it. I didn't see it. And this last one I want to bring up. Yeah. So the guy that is going to sell them the engine is Mr. Swanson. He's played by Robert B. Williams. Yeah. 342 credits. That's a lot. A lot of uncredited stuff. But the reason I went out of my way to bring this guy up is because he played Elwood in Hang 'em High, 1968. A movie which I have seen now in between the last time we talked about this. Because the sheriff from It Happened at the World's Fair who confiscates their airplane, he played Maddow in Hang 'em High. And then you were like, did he did he hang him high, Matt? Was he good in Hang Him High? And then I said, I haven't seen that movie yet. And then you're like, you son of a bitch. So I've seen Hang Him High. And it's good. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. This Elwood is just a one scene thing. But Hang Him High is actually yeah. the first Western post the Dollars trilogy. Oh. After Eastwood did that trilogy in Italy, this was his first. He's back in the U.S. And he, this is his first like U.S. Western as the star. But he definitely took some lessons from his work in the spaghetti Westerns in Italy. And it was his first movie that he made under his own production company he had founded, Malpaso Productions interesting stuff it's a good western All right. these dudes erroneously think that he killed someone and then they just try to lynch him damn and then he survives and then he becomes a marshal and tries to hunt them there's nine guys and he goes after them oh, all. oh that sounds cool but there's like some weird ambiguity to it too Ooh, like it's not because what we were talking about a lot of like the late 60s early 70s stuff right back when stuff started to get gray yes yeah Okay, we're going to finish this off with... I actually hit most of these facts while I was going through the different things. Yeah, right. So the only thing I have left over that I haven't mentioned, this overtook Blue Hawaii, apparently, as the highest grossing movie. Really? By about $450,000. That's a lot. I think it's that adjusting by inflation, Blue Hawaii is still the top grosser. Ah. But I think, technically, this made more money. And... According to Variety, Viva Las Vegas earned more in distributors' rentals than A Hard Day's Night. Oh. 
which was the first Beatles movie, which came out in 1964. Oh, interesting. Despite both films being released in 64, the height of Beatlemania. So Viva Las Vegas grossed 9,442,967 compared to the 6,165,000 wow. for the Beatles oh, debut feature. Wow, by a lot. Yeah. Ooh, holy jeez. The last thing, the very last thing. Okay. This movie, Viva Las Vegas, is one of only two movies, uh-huh. the other being Jailhouse Rock, that has officially been released on every home media format ever distributed in the U.S. Wow. Betamax, VHS, Laserdisc, DVD, HD DVD, and Blu-ray. Wow. And even something called CED Disc, which I don't even know what that is. Interesting. That's really cool. What a weird note to end on. But yeah, that's, that, I mean, that's yeah. the last of the factoids that I had written down here. Nice. I give Viva Las Vegas a seven. Lucky number seven. Oh, we're doing number grades all of a sudden? That's what I'm going to go with. Seven out of ten. Okay. Yeah. Spit numbers like a couple of dice on the crap table. Oh, <laughs> <No>. wait. <laughs> I almost forgot to mention, you know how I like bring up a transition. So at the beginning when he's at the table and he's he does the... T- yeah, the, the fan. Waving the telegram and waving the money. He's Yeah, he's he's shaking the dice and it cu- it yeah, does a, cu- a cut onto his buddy with the papers coming into frame being yes. like, he's got the dough, he's got the dough, yeah. Yeah, that was a nice one. That was good. Okay, let's, that's All it. Right. Yeah, I like this that's... movie more than Morgan likes this movie, but I've yeah, liked most movies okay. more than Morgan liked these movies. I like Kid Galahad more than anybody else probably likes Kid Galahad, so. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I like, I, I, I don't know if I like Kid Galahad more than I like Viva Las Vegas, but they're pretty close. That's what I think. I just like Wild in the Country. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go back. We really, I almost <laughs> wish that movie didn't exist because it really spoiled yeah, us. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, right? It it's set a bar that we, that nothing else could even comes close to because that was, it was just yeah. a weird fluke. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right, folks. Well, <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you for, thank you for listening. joining us on another episode of Elvis Has yeah. Left the Movies. <laughs> Thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you very much. much.